never heard of Smith Wigglesworth. You all heard about him? Yeah. Have you read any of his books? Yes. It's pretty good, isn't it? You know, he raised 23 people from the dead, and I'm still working on my first one. The guy's got some creds. He's, you know, a credible guy. Anyway, he prophesied about this day that we're living in. And he said that it would be a move of the word and a move of the spirit. And uh, there'll be a consecration involved in it. <clears throat> I really believe that, um, like, he wouldn't allow any, he, he wouldn't even allow Lester Summerall to bring a newspaper in his house. He was totally focused on the things of the spirit of God. And uh, the other day I was reading an article. I, I'm a... I'm a member of the Facebook page for Upper Muscadobus, okay? And uh, they're tearing down the church as soon as they can sell the manse. And they said it was a money problem. I said, no, it's a moral problem. And so I get on there and stirred up some stuff. But <laughs> no, but it's, but it, it's like, you know, people think that COVID-19 is the problem and, and the vaccine is the answer. No, it's the world that's lost its moral compass. You know, let's get real. That's what the problem is. You can blame Trump or you can blame Biden. You can blame all these people. But no, it's, the world has done what the Jews did over and over again to God. They they put other things ahead of him. They made their careers their idols. They made their kids. Their, like, there's so many things. When we talk about idolatry, it's anything that goes ahead, anything that gets between you and God, Right? <laughs> that's why that's why it's so important to remember Matthew chapter six. Seek first. Notice it didn't say second, third, or fourth, or fifth. Uh God, could you could I work you into my schedule? No, no. Your schedule needs to get worked into God. How many of you know that? Right. Like he's he's big G. <laughs> We're little G's, but he's the big G. And he's so in love with us. And he's when you read James chapter 4, it says he boils over with jealousy, not wanting to share you. Like you, don't, you might not be thinking about him all day long, but he's thinking about you all day long. <laughs> Come on. It says to someone 21, he never slumbers or sleeps. You keep him awake at night. <laughs> you keep God awake at night. You do. Yeah. <laughs> Matter of fact, sometimes he'll sneak in and look in your bedroom door while you're sleeping because it's the only time he can actually catch you, not on the move, right? Praise God. But anyway, um, I just want to read something out of one of his books that I'm reading. And this is what he talked about in this, in this day we're living in. He said, now, beloved in the Lord, I want to inspire you to believe that this day is for you as the beginning of days. You have never passed this way before. So I bring you to another day of passing over any heights, passing through mists of darkness. Dare to believe that the cloud that is upon you and it will break with an exceeding reward of blessing. Don't be afraid of the clouds. They are all earthly. Never be afraid of the earthly things. You belong to a higher order, a divine order, a spiritual order. Then believe that God wants you to soar high. This day, this day, he wants you to soar high this day, not in the sweet by and by, this day. Can I read you one more thing that he said? I'm going to do it anyway, so you might as well say yes, okay. 
He was talking about Ephesians 5 and verse 18. I like verse 14 when it says, Awake up and arise from among the dead, and Christ will give you light. It kind of describes the church in North America. Uh, you know, uh, it's changing. It's, it's There's a shift going on. But we were asleep. You couldn't tell. Lots of times you couldn't tell the church from the world. There were very nice entertainment and, and good programs and no Holy Ghost. No Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is, you know, put him in a back room. No, he's he's God. <laughs> he's not some mist or he's not some make you feel good and, you know, run a tear down your face once in a while. He's He's God. He's the one that they waited for in the upper room for 10 days. Did you know Mary was there? Mary was there, and you'd have thought she'd have done enough. Wouldn't you have thought she'd have done enough? She carried that kid for nine months, rode across the desert to get him to Bethlehem, raised him, watched him die on the cross, and now they expect her to be in the upper room too? That's why God chose Mary. He knew she'd be committed right through to the end. He picked the right one, didn't he? Just like we're committed right to the end, aren't we? Yeah, we're in the upper room. We're living in the upper room. Anyway, Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine. How many of you have never been drunk with wine? Never? Wow. Two nevers. Anybody else? Never been drunk with wine. Come on, sir. You can't put your hand up there, buddy. You were, you were drinking it by the gallon, I know. <laughs> you didn't care what kind of grape it was. <laughs> this, is a, this is a very good year. You know you can pay about 300000 bucks for a good bottle of wine, they tell me. Yeah. And, and Jesus turned the water into wine, and they said, wow, you saved the best to last. He, he did something very extravagant in John chapter 2. He blew their fuses in John oh, chapter yeah. 2. Amen. But anyway, Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't be drunk with wine, wherein there is excess, but continually be filled with the Holy Ghost, is what, it, what he's saying. And what it says in the Greek is, be filled with the Holy Ghost, and then be filled with the Holy Ghost again. And then be filled with the Holy Ghost again. In other words, stay intoxicated. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. And you can tell by looking around church on a Sunday, some people have never been there. Yeah, can't you tell, right? I mean, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no they, they never ever got it. It's not that it's wrong, it's just that they don't know how to drink. They think that they, they, they think instead of drink. And, and you got to do, you know, God will do a head bypass operation. How many of you know you need a head bypass sometimes? I mean, think about what you're thinking about, and then you realize God really needs needs to get past that head of yours, doesn't he? Don't look at anybody around right now. But okay, so so anyway, he said he said, be filled and filled again. This is what Smith Wigglesworth said. Our only safeguard we have to keep us from slipping back into our natural minds, where we can receive nothing from God, is to be filled and filled again with the Holy Spirit. He said, I want you to get you beyond all human thoughts and plans into the fullness of the vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are commanded by God to be filled with the Spirit, and the measure that you fail in that, you fall short of the plan of God for your life. And so really what he's saying is, 
If you pray in the Holy Ghost, you'll have God's plan for your life. And if you don't, you'll live like a mere human, like Paul said. You're living like a mere man. The more you pray in the Holy Ghost. I think it was Sunday, did I tell you Sunday about Kenneth Hagin's experience? Can I tell you again anyway? Okay, he, he, uh, he was a Baptist uh, boy, and he got healed. And he started hanging around with the Pentecostals because... Because they had it going, they 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 had it going on. He knew that there was some life there, but he thought they were a little bit extreme and a little bit crazy. But they spoke with other tongues and they had power. So, so he started hanging around there. But they believed back then. They believed the Pentecostals believed that you could only pray in tongues when you felt an unction, like God moved on you. So then he was reading in Corinthians chapter fourteen, where Paul said, "I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding." And he realized you can pray in the Holy Ghost. Anytime you want to. And so he decided to pray for an hour one day. And after he had prayed for, prayed for 10 minutes. No, no, if you, want, if you think life is going by too fast for you, <laughs> pray in tongues for an hour. What, 10 minutes? I thought surely it must have been 20 or a half hour by then. And so he experienced that. And when he was done... A voice on the inside, the voice on the outside of him said, you know, he, it wasn't an audible voice, but you know how the devil would talk to you? The devil said, well, you just wasted an hour of your life. You could have been preparing your message for Sunday. And so then he said, well, okay, Mr. Devil, then it's good to talk to the devil once in a while, you know. He said, I'll pray for two. Then he prayed for two and the devil came at him again. He prayed for three and he prayed for four. Finally, he prayed for five and a half hours, and he said, in his language, he said, I hit a, you know, a Texas boy, he said, I hit a gusher. And he said, and I've never had to pray five and a half hours in tongues again to, to get to that sweet spot where the Holy Ghost completely takes over. But he said, he said, I have learned that the most powerful meetings I've ever had, the most powerful meetings I've ever been in, is when I spend extended times Praying in the Holy Ghost, I'm, you know, like I'm not, I, I'm talking like an hour, like you know, an hour, like two, like three, like. And then he said, whenever I had a financial need, he said, the longer I prayed in the Holy Ghost, the fa the faster the need was met. And I know that some people don't have time to pray in the Holy Ghost like that because you've got to work two jobs to to to, to meet your needs, right? No, he was saying there is a there is a higher. He teaches that there's a higher way and. Kenneth Hagin said the same thing, that there's, when you get over in the realm of the Spirit, I thought about the people that I've known over the years, the most powerful people that I've known over the years. I was thinking about some of those people over the past week or two. I said, God, I want what they have. Show me how to get what they have, what they had. And the answer was the same every time. Extended times praying in the Holy Ghost. And it seems like a waste of time. It, come on, sometimes it like it, you don't get goosebumps. Sometimes you go, oh, other times you just do it. It, it, it. It's just an act of your will. It's an act of faith. You don't feel any different. But there is a difference. There is something going on. And uh, let, with that in mind, let's go to John chapter 14. <laughs> That's good. It's a good book. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 15. What does that mean, Pastor? 
He's talking about the Ten Commandments. No, he's talking about love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as a result of that, you begin to love your neighbor as yourself. So in, in order for me to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's going to require time. I'm going to have to give him time. I'm going to have to give him time in the morning before I rush off to my busy day. The first thing in the morning before my feet hit the floor, I need to give God time. The last thing at night before I go to the God time. Amen. I was watching Joyce Meyer the other day, and she said, you know, if you ran out of the house and forgot your cell phone, you'd turn right around and go get it. What happens when you miss prayer? Are you that, are you, do you do the same thing? Or that's like, you no, know, but think about it when, when, you, when you think about God being first in your life, right? Come on. He said, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, the word with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own way of doing things, but in some of your ways, in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your steps. I've been, re I've been reading some prophecies. Tom, Tommy Hicks had a prophecy. I must read it uh, on Sunday. Anybody read Tommy Hicks' prophecy from 1961 that he got when he was in Winnipeg, Nova, Manitoba, visiting? It just goes, it just goes along with everything that you're expecting today. That fire's going to hit the church, and fire's hitting believers, and you'll be out there on the streets, and they'll see the fire on you, and they'll be coming to you and saying, what is it about you? Amen. <laughs> That's what we're all talking about, hallelujah. Somebody, this usher, usher could you... <laughs> Verse, um, verse um, 16, and I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another, what is it, accuser? What a great name for the Holy Ghost. Can you think of a better name for the Holy Ghost? What happens when I pray in other tongues? The Comforter. Begins to work in my life. How many of you would like to have some comfort? Hallelujah. The comfort's available all day long, 24 hours a day. The God of Israel never slumbers or sleeps. He's right there waiting, right there waiting for you. He said, I'm going to send another comforter. In my absence, the comforter, the Holy Ghost will come. And he will do for you what I would do if I was there with you. He will do for you what I would do if I was right there with you. He's the comforter. He's the Holy Ghost. He's the spirit of truth, not the spirit of error, <laughs> the spirit of truth. Mm. Whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him, neither does it know him, but you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. He's not all that far away, is he? He's in you right now. Everything that you need, <laughs> I need to call somebody. No, you need to call upon the Lord. Hallelujah. Chapter 16, verse 7. Jesus said this. Nevertheless, it's expedient for you that I go away. 
It's important. I need to go. I need to go away because something greater is going to happen in your life. Something greater is going to happen in your life. The Holy Ghost is going to come. He said, when I go away, the comforter will, the comforter will come unto you. If I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, sin singular. Only one sin that separates people from God, right? Hallelujah. And of righteousness and of judgment, of sin, what? What, what sin? Because they don't believe in me. It's the only sin. They don't believe in me, he said. Of righteousness, because I'm going to my Father, and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world has already been judged. The Father of lies. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come. No, verse, how about, let's not miss verse 12. I have many things to say unto you, but you can't bear them now. The things that I need to say to you, Paul the Apostle will have to tell you. There's many things I want to share with you, but I can't share them with you until you get filled with the Holy Ghost. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, then you can get revelation knowledge, wisdom and revelation knowledge. The eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. You'll know the hope of his calling and all of that. He needed Paul the Apostle to come and speak. Like again, I, I, I say lots of times, the Gospels are, are, are what happened and what Paul writes about is the x-ray of what happened. What really happened between the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, Paul will tell you. So he said, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into some of the truth. He will guide me into all of the truth, for he won't speak about himself, but whatever he hears, he shall speak, and he will, come on, what's this? Show you things to come. What's going to happen next? Ask the Holy Ghost. But I will say this, my Bible says that he'll do nothing unless he speaks to his prophets first. And then my Bible tells me to believe the prophet. And so I believe the prophet, not based on what the media is telling me, not based on what the prophets of Baal are saying. I believe it because I believe that these men and women hear from God. And just because it's not working out the way that I thought it would, doesn't mean that it's not working out. God, again, Psalm 2, why doth the heathen rage and imagine a vain thing? Why do they come against God and against his Christ? The Lord sits in the heavens and laughs at them because he has them in derision. The creator of all of the universe and some ant is trying to take over the kingdom. It's crazy. Because they don't know, they're blind. They're living in the dark. They do not know what they're doing. If they did, they'd stop, I hope. It says here in verse 14, He will glorify me, for he shall, come on, he shall receive the things of mine and show them on to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, said I, that he shall take of mine and show it unto you. Why? Because you're an heir of God. And a joint heir with Jesus. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's yours too. This earth doesn't belong to the devil. There's tares among the wheat. 
He, matter of fact, Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, no, 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 you're of your father, the, you're not Abraham's seed, you're of your father, the devil. He identified them, didn't he? He called, he called them a generation of vipers trying to flee from the wrath to come. So th there is another company on this earth that will never, ever get saved, that will never, ever bow the knees to the Lord Jesus. It's a sad truth. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I read the book of Revelation. I read, I watched, I watched how God would give them time and opportunity, time and opportunity. And they wanted nothing to do with God. Hallelujah. Only because they don't know what hell is like. <laughs> if, they, if they only knew. Okay, Jude, verse 20. Did I say that already? No. Oh. So if you had been praying in the Holy Ghost before the service... He'll show you things to come. Somebody would have said, yeah, yeah, I know where you're going there. He does that sometimes, though. Come on. I remember one time I was preaching. I said, Paul, I'm going to tag team. We're going to tag team. And I, and I didn't tell him what I was preaching. And when I, when I finished, I walked down and tapped him, and he got up and started with the next verse. Only God can do stuff like that. That's cool stuff. Amen. We noticed that because whenever we would go to pastors' conferences, that uh, first thing that would happen is some preacher, the first preacher would get up and preach the message that I preached here three weeks or a month earlier, and and you know, and it would it, what it would do for me is like, wow, these generals, and I heard, you know what, same Holy Ghost, and so it so it fortified me and built me up. But then the next thing that I noticed is every speaker, and, and really, when, in particular in Kenneth Copeland's ministry, you may, you may know you're going to speak, but he never tells anybody for sure, and he doesn't give them any order either. And so they show up, and one message will dovetail on another message on another message. The only thing I did not like about all those pastors' conferences, I can't wait to get back to them, though, is that there was the Holy Ghost, Sometimes with a, a lot of great teaching, I don't know about you, but I want, I want the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you know, I, I, want, I, I enjoy good teaching and preaching, but I, want, I, I really want to experience God, all that he is, all that he has, all that he can do. He's telling me that his glory is heavy and weighty, and it contains everything that he is and everything that he has. That's what my goal and I don't, you know, and, and, and I'm not going to go to some other country to get in on it. I remember one time Dennis Burke called me and said, you should have been here. I said, Dennis, don't call me like that anymore. I love you, Dennis, but, but, I, but I wasn't there. And I'm tired of hearing about what happened there. The same God here. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and I mean, if he... If he did things in an obscure village, like if you ever go to Israel and walk up around the shores of Galilee, you're thinking, dear God, the creator of the universe came here into all these miracles in a fishing village like Lunenburg. If you walked around Lunenburg Bay and spent three years there, that's what Jesus did around the shores of Galilee. It was just like that. It wasn't some big, ta-da, here I am in Rome. And some big, glorious presentation. It wasn't, hey, to the Sanhedrin, the leaders of the religious. No, he was up in the hills with common people. Doing uncommon things. 
Hallelujah. Come on, they're a fisherman. Hallelujah. Anyway, we're, we're Jude 20, right? But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Wow. And so he's saying here, you can build up your most holy faith. You, you don't get faith by praying in other tongues. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But when you exercise your faith by praying in tongues, come on, praying in tongues, my Bible says my understanding is unfruitful. He did a head bypass operation on me when I prayed in other tongues. So I can pray in other tongues for an hour or two. And, and uh, well, today I prayed for a long, long time in the Holy Ghost. And I can't say that I felt any different because it's not about feelings. Your tongue is hooked up to your spirit or your tongue is hooked up to your head. Oh, God help us. Or your tongue is hooked up to your feelings. And sometimes that's worse. But when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, my Bible says you're praying a perfect prayer between you and God. It's coded. The devil doesn't know what you're saying. You don't know what you're saying. Sometimes you can pray and get the interpretation, but most of the time, you don't know what you're saying. And sometimes you can pray for an hour or two and think, wow, I just, the devil will tell you, you just wasted your wasted time. You could have been doing something productive. No, the most productive thing that you can do is that. It's the most important thing that you can do with your day. How do I know? He's telling me right here, but ye beloved. So I know he's talking to me. I'm loved. You're loved. Building up your most holy faith. By praying in the Holy Ghost. Knowing that it's going to keep me in the love of God. It's going, it's going to help me. Smith Wigglesworth said, praying in tongues will help you worship. Help you worship God. Help you do your warfare with worship. Amen. So, so again, faith comes by hearing. But he's saying, you can, what he's saying here is your battery's dead. You can recharge it. Charge your faith. Amen. Put the booster cables on your faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. It'll build you up and it'll keep you in the love of God. It's not a waste of time. Hallelujah. There's lots of ways to waste time, but that's not one. You can waste time all kinds of ways. I have found other ways to waste time. Okay, let's go to Corinthians chapter 14. Second Corinthians doesn't have a 14. <laughs> That's why I haven't been able to find it. <laughs> um, well, let's look in verse 1. Follow after love, but, but and desire, spiritual, desire, desire the spiritual gifts from Corinthians chapter 12, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, gifts of faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, the interpretation of tongues. You desire those things. But he said, above all in the church, desire that you may prophesy. Now, he, and again, I'll, just to give you a little, uh, a little idea of what this letter was written for, when Paul wrote the letter to the Corinthian church, if you read Corinthians chapter 1, it says that come, be, they fell behind in no gift. They were Holy Ghost wall to wall. They had miracles and signs and wonders going on all the time. The reason why he wrote the letter is because they didn't want to be taught. They just wanted the Holy Ghost blowed every service. 
Amen. <laughs> but I mean, and so that's what they were doing. But everybody was everybody was speaking in other tongues, and everybody was like it was just it was kind of like a free for all. So so it was to bring a little bit of order to the thing, to bring it decently in order. He said, Desire that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue doesn't look at this, he doesn't speak unto man, but unto God. For no man understands him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. The very mysteries of God. Hallelujah. That, how did Paul, the apostle, learn all these? He said, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Behold, I show you a mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He got those mysteries, those deep things of God, by praying in the Holy Ghost. And drawing up, drawing those things up out of his spirit, man. So that's what he's saying here. He's saying your understanding is unfruitful. How be in the spirit he speaks mysteries? Verse 4, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue does what? It's in the Greek, it's oikodoimio, and it means to build a spiritual house. So he's saying you can build, you remember how, remember how Job had a, a wall around him and the wall came down because of his fear and his, his actions, remember he had a wall of protection and the wall fell down? Not because God took it down. God wouldn't take down his wall of protection. God, Satan said, God, you put a hedge around him. The Lord said, well, take, take a look. There's no hedge there right now. He allowed fear to enter into his life and tore the wall down. But here I'm seeing, I've got something that Job didn't have. I can pray in the Holy Ghost and build myself a house. Hallelujah. I can pray in the Holy Ghost and keep myself in Ephesians 2, 6. Stay in my seat. He, come on, he said, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. Okay, I get that. Let's just, uh, in, in my case, I have to turn the page to get to verse 14. He said, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, my head has been bypassed. My understanding is unfruitful. Why do I need a head bypass, you might ask. Well, if it's hooked up to my past, I need a pass. If it hooks up, hooked up to other people's opinions, then I need a bypass. There's things that I, that I need my understanding to be knocked out of. He said, what shall I do? So verse 15, he said, what is it then? I will pray in the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. But notice, it's, notice he said it's with understanding. So with understanding means I'll pray in the spirit and I'll pray the word. Grant unto, grant unto us wisdom and understanding. The fruit of this. Well, what is it in, um, what is it in Isaiah 11, verse 2? The spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of wisdom spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord are upon me. And they make me quick in understanding and know what the will of God is. Quick in understanding. So when he's saying understanding here, he's not saying that I pray out of my, out of my knuckle head. If I'm praying out of my head, I need to make sure that I've done Romans 12 and verse 2. I'm not conformed to this world, but I'm transformed. I've renewed my want, mind. 
Hebrews 5 says that I could have my senses exercised to both discern good and evil. And so praying out of my head is only good when it's full of the Holy Ghost, when it's understanding. Because God doesn't want you praying. What it's kind of like, it's kind of like when I was talking the other day about um, how Paul said, "I've learned to be content." In Philippians four eleven, he had to he had to learn that it didn't come come naturally. And in verse twelve, he says that he he really he had to receive revelation knowledge of that he he couldn't get it any other way. But he but he found out that like like he you know if you look at David. David complained to God, but he never complained of God. So you can, it's kind of like we talked about Rachel and how she, she wept over her children, but then she refused to be comforted. You know, David in, in Samuel chapter 30 wept until he had no more power to weep, but then he encouraged himself in the Lord. So, so it's, it's like that in learning to be content. It doesn't mean that you can't complain. Like, so if your circumstances suck, you can tell God. As long as you don't accuse God. I mean, read the Psalms. David did it a lot. You know, one time he'd say, smash out the teeth of the ungodly. He'd pray dirty prayers. <laughs> but then by the end of it, but, but again... You know, the Bible says, you know, God said through Isaiah, come and let us reason together. It's okay to talk your problems to God, as long as you don't ever blame him. You understand? And then when, when you're talking to him about them, you can add on this. Holy Spirit, Jesus said that you came to guide me into all the truth and to show me things to come. Show me how to get out of this mess or show me how to get through this. Show me what I'm supposed to learn in the middle of all this, too. So, yeah, so so he said, your understanding is unfruitful. What shall we say then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will sing in the understanding also. Where is it in this chapter where, where Paul the Apostle said, I thank my God, I pray with tongues more than you all? Somebody find it for me. Thirteen? Eighteen. I thank my God. I thank my God. I thank my God that I wrote two-thirds of the New Testament by praying in the Holy Ghost. It's a great thing. You know, Smith said, great power is released when when you're plugged into the Holy Ghost. The gifts of the Spirit, you won't have to work them up. They'll just begin to flow from you as you pray in the Holy Ghost. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.